0: Support for this episode comes from Team Pennsylvania, hosting the Pennsylvania Hemp Summit, two events in 2022 offering a place for farmers, professionals, investors, and policymakers to learn and connect. Details at pahempsummit.com. <clears throat>
1: This is What Doesn't Kill You, Food Industry Insights. I'm your host, Katie Kiefer, and today we're going to be talking about a new bill that was introduced into the Iowa State Legislature by my guest, Art Stade, who is Democratic State Representative from the 66th District of Iowa. He is a recently retired teacher and has been a school administrator in Missouri Kansas Oklahoma and Iowa he's done workforce development advising and he's a former manager and corporate trainer in telecommunications um, and this is like your fifth term non-consecutive but still your fifth term in the Iowa legislature correct art
0: actually the sixth
1: the sixth oh forgive me okay righty so you uh to cut right to the chase here because we we're a little pressed for time but so, uh, what caught my eye is I saw something, in I think it was Modern Farmer, um, because I, you know, compulsively read the trades and everything about agriculture and farming that's going on in the United States. So, um, and I, I saw this piece about you, in which you have introduced a new bill that proposes a moratorium of at least five years on the construction of any new concentrated area feeding operations or expanding uh, the existing ones, I think. Is that right? Can you you tell us exactly what this bill is meant to do?
0: That's great. It exactly does three things. Uh, First of all, it prohibits the construction, including expansion, of uh, confinement feeding operation structures. And that would include a confinement building, a manure storage structure, or even an egg washer structure. Um, But it allows construction if the new structure is already part of a small animal feeding operation of 500 or fewer animal units, that's about 1,250 hogs. Um uh-huh. Animal units are smaller than the regular, what you would call an animal. Uh, the bill does not permit a person from completed <laughs> construction if the person has begun construction prior to the effectiveness of this bill, if it gets passed. And uh, that's the first thing, the moratorium for five years. The second thing, it is allows the Department of Natural Resources to have greater oversight of factory farms. and uh, Uh-huh. Some, that uh, it's been prohibited because they could not uh, have any rules or regulations that were more strict than the National Water Protection Act. And the third thing was it would um, make uh, agribusiness corporations responsible and accountable for the environmental degradation for spills. Right now it's just the farmer who manages. So what this would require is that those what we refer to as integrators, the ones that actually provide the funding, um, oversee what happens. They own the animals. They uh, set the prices. And uh, the farmer who is in a contract with them does the management. But these inter- integrators are not required on the applications for construction or the manure uh, plans. So this would make sure that they're. Uh, that they're designated in the applications and in the manure management plans. And uh, would be held responsible for the for the, um, the spills and damage to the environment. That's incredible,
1: it. absolutely incredible. I mean, really, uh, you might be the only person who's done this. So now, did you introduce this bill because of the water quality issues in your area, in your district, or is this just something you've been thinking about doing for like I don't know the last fifteen years um, as the water quality degrades throughout the state of Iowa?
0: Well, it's both. We, we have what we call the um, nutrient reduction strategy, which is completely voluntary, and that is to getting nutrients out of the waterways. Um, so we don't really have a water quality comparison baseline measurement where we start and what we want to do to improve water quality in the state, um, but we know that in, to reach what the federal requirement is, a 45% nutrient reduction goal for the state that we would have to uh, add 6 million, 6 million viral reactors and 7 million saturated buffers to treat the practices of, of nutrient reduction. So we would be on track to maybe hundreds or thousands of years to finally uh, reach our 45% reduction. So we're not on target at all with that. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> Iowa is the home to the Largest concentration of confined hogs. We have 24 million hogs here. and They collectively produce more than 72 billion pounds of manure every year. That's more than uh, 84 million people would produce. And the hogs in the state outnumber people seven to one. And we have so much fertilizer, so much waste, that it's no longer valuable. It's applied to fields at rates that far exceed the crop's ability to absorb them. It's even applied on frozen ground during the winter. So whether through application, spraying, neglect, the manure often ends up in the waterways, which jeopardize ecosystems in the drinking water and wells. So as a result, Iowa is now home to one of the most endangered rivers, the Raccoon, drinking water source for more than half a million Iowans. That includes Des Moines, where the capital is. But it's not just the Raccoon River. Agriculture pollution has damaged more than 1,000 miles of Iowa rivers and streams and over 59,000 acres of lakes, ponds, and wetlands. And my constituents know this. They know that the high level of nitrates uh, threatens aquatic species and the health of everyone who drinks from the tap. We get our water from the Cedar River here in Cedar Rapids. And, you know, it exceeds the federal limits. So we have to remove that water, remove the nutrients from that water. And the water systems throughout the state struggle with high nitrate levels. And the cost of installing these new systems to cope with the pollution, remove the nitrates and phosphates, when they have installed when they 're installed, uh, we all pay higher cost mm-hmm. absolutely
1: so i mean up, I mean you mentioned how many hogs and hog farms there are, but i I also want to point out to listeners who may not be aware of the fact that Iowa is also one of the biggest egg producing. Uh, states in the nation. And you have something like, uh, I think I saw, it was on nearly 60 million laying hens. So there's another pollution stream uh, in terms of managing that waste. I just want to add that in. And then there's, of course, all of the corn and soy that is cultivated in Iowa, as you know very well, which also washes a lot of nutrients downstream, uh, not just the manure that is spread, but uh, all of the fertilizer and um, you know pesticides, et cetera, that they use to manage the uh, in- you know, very intensive production of corn and soy. So you, I, I, you, you mentioned that there are really no, uh, no regulations beyond voluntary controls over manure management. I mean, is that common?
0: Well, we have federal uh, federal pollution <laughs> standards, um, but the, but in our state law, it says that we could, the DNR can not issue rules or regulations are any stricter than that. And uh, we haven't done a good job of enforcing the federal laws in this state. This does not apply to the small farms. We're talking about huge no, factory farms. So. There are over 10,000 KFOS uh, in the state of Iowa for hogs. About 3,000 of them are these large CAFOs uh, that we're talking about where they contract with farmers to uh, to produce hogs. So we're talking about hogs, so more than 2,500 hogs. So if you're talking about chickens, you're talking about more than 100,000 chickens these farms. Wow.
1: I mean, breathtaking. Now, I, n- I know you guys have the department, I mean, I thought it was Department of Environmental Management, but it's DNR, Department of Natural Resources, right? right. Why, why why do you think the, the water quality, I mean, this has been an ongoing problem uh, for a, really at least a decade. Why do you think the Department of Natural Resources has been so slow to respond to the degradation of drinking water in the state?
0: Well their hands are kind of tied and the political environment is not good for them. They're underfunded. Uh, they're understaffed. Uh, they're, they don't have the ability to do all the inspections and issue the fines and they're they're sued by the farm bureau uh, and other groups when they try to uh, uh, to enact actually implement some of these things. So their hands are that is their incredible. hands have been tied. The legislature has been inactive in uh, helping them with this situation.
2: Are you a business owner?
1: Become an HRN business member for 500 bucks. Heritage Radio Network will shine a light on your work and you will help sustain our mission to expand the way people think about food. As a thank you for this tax deductible donation, your business will receive on-air mentions, social media posts, listings on our website and more. Go to heritageradionetwork.org/biz to become a business member today. Please, folks, help us out with this. Um, so we're back. This is uh, Art State, who is a Democratic uh, congressman from the state of Iowa. Um, he is uh, has been... Uh, he's trying to break <laughs> break free of the environmental degradation of his state uh thanks to the enormous uh presence of hog and uh egg laying that goes hog production and egg laying there um but the, like i was saying before the break the crisis is not new and so i wondered you know it was pretty brave of you actually uh to because as you just said uh before the break um it is not popular uh with um with the legislature, with uh, the Farm Bureau, et cetera, to enforce any regulations, any of the, even the existing federal regulations. What prompted you to, to to finally introduce this piece of legislation now?
0: Well, it's not popular among the large agribusinesses, and it's not popular among the Farm Bureau, but it's popular with the rural farmers and, and city folks as well, urban and rural. You know, the rise of factory farms, these huge uh, farms has resulted in a decline in Iowa's independent family farms. Um, From 1982 to 2007, the number of independent family hog farms plunged by 82%, uh, while the average number of hogs on a farm rose from under 500 to more than Um, 5,000. You know, and our local county supervisors have been trying to address the problem for years, maybe 30 years, 25% 25% of Iowa counties have passed resolutions in favor of stronger local control over CAPOs uh, or a legislative moratorium like this on the confinement operations. But the counties have had little control in permitting and newer expanded factory farms. Uh, in 2002, the legislature formally preempted the county board of supervisors from being able to approve or deny confinement operations. So these can crop up nearly anywhere in the state.
2: I mean, they have to file
1: for a permit. Uh, to to manage the manure, so uh, you know it's sort of amazing to me that they can keep on keeping on. I mean, despite counties voting against it and resolutions being passed or whatever, um, they can continue to do this in the face of a lot of public outcry. I mean, you're not the first person I've interviewed about this problem. I mean, I was I interviewed Bill Stowe, I know you know who he is, or was, I should say, um, uh, several times, like three or four times, about the lawsuit that he brought against upriver counties. And it was not just hog farms, it was also, you know, big, uh, you know, guys growing a lot of corn and soy. But, but, specifically uh, to try to make them pick up the tab on treating the water, uh, which has become undrinkable in Des Moines. And I have visited Des Moines, Art, so I know what he's, (laughs) like, it stinks. I mean, for people who have never been to Des Moines, you should know this water smells like a combination of fertilizer and manure. And it's really a strong smell, and no one drinks that water. I wouldn't even bathe in it, and I certainly wouldn't cook with it. So Bill was described in 2016 uh, by your then-governor, Terry Branstad, uh, who said that Bill was declaring war on Iowa by trying to make uh, these upriver counties uh, accountable for their pollution, which was depriving the people of Des Moines of clean drinking water. And the, and in fact, the Des Moines Water Works could not, they didn't have the money to put in the infrastructure they needed to manage the level of pollution. So I'm just curious, like uh, the state even tried to dismantle the whole waterworks thing. And, and in fact, uh, Bill Stowe died before this could all be mm. resolved, right? It was thrown out of court uh, and uh, and then nothing happened. And as far as I know um it's still the same so i'm wondering if you feel like the political climate in iowa is starting to turn against some of the you know the the agribusiness which has been thus far controlling your legislature
3: well
0: i think it is shifting a little we've got uh, organization now the environmentalists are grouping together to address this getting more support and getting more media attention than in the past Before, you'd file these bills and you'd never see them on the floor. They're never brought up for a subcommittee, which is still the case with the legislature. But now you're hearing more and more from the community, from people organizing, that want to hear. We're having more people come to the Capitol, and I'm getting more and more support for my bill and other things to help uh, DNR do what it needs to do. But any time DNR tries to do something further, um, they're sued for overreach, uh, that they don't have the authority to do it. Uh, So the environment is pretty much the same. You've got agribusiness controlling, um, actually controlling what happens at the legislature.
1: So just to be specific about the agribusinesses we're talking about, who are the biggest, do you have a lot of Smithfield Farms? Do you have a lot of JBS, Tyson? Who are your big players in terms of agribusiness in the state of Iowa?
0: All of the above. Um, I'm not going to mention any specific uh, individual or individual group. Um, but they okay. all need to come under that same uh, regulation and do what's right for the environment and be responsible. And I think this helps by including the integrators and the ones that have to file for the applications and for the manure man- management plans and be held accountable.
1: Absolutely. I mean, you know, in a way, I don't know if you followed uh, the Murphy-Brown lawsuit. Um, they A huge judgment was won against Murphy-Brown, which is a subsidiary of... Um, I can't remember who, maybe Tyson, maybe JBS. Uh but anyway, in North Carolina, the community sued the integrator and won a massive judgment. Now whether that, you know, is going to be appealed for the next 5000 years, I don't know. But uh, but it was the very first time that a community was able to get a judge to agree that the company, the integrator, uh, was in fact uh, destroying the environment in which they owned property and were trying to live. Do you see any citizens groups uh, doing anything similar to that in Iowa?
0: Well, I just want to say this bill actually addresses that because it makes and holds the integrator responsible uh, mm-hmm. and puts them in right. They have to be disclosed who they are. And they have to be as uh, joint, uh, the joint application for the manure management, and they're therefore will be held liable for what happens as well. We're talking about huge corporations um, that have a hold on this, and I think in the long run, if they continue to do this, the proliferation of all of these KFOs, not only is it going to end- endanger the environment, but I think that it'll damage the agricultural um, industry itself with the large spills and the problems. I mean, there's a point where mm-hmm. there's just too many of them, and when we've got over 10,000 in the state, that's plenty. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'll say. I mean, I've done a bunch of interviews with local people, Um who are protesting the building or trying to keep KFOS from coming into their community? And it's really, uh, you know, it's it's absolutely astonishing how much power these corporations have. I mean, they literally are are buying uh, town councils, lock, stock, and barrel, and just you know, and then they get whatever they want. It's 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 regardless of the impact on the environment. So let me ask you this: Why aren't there more guys like you? in Iowa, who were doing the same thing.
0: Well, I have 20 co-sponsors on this bill, so we do have a large group of co-sponsors. Oh, good. Um, so it's not uh, something that many are afraid to do. It's just that it's, it's been uh, so futile. The bills that are filed, like my bill, never get a subcommittee hearing. They're never assigned a subcommittee. They never hear, have a public hearing. Uh, so what I'm doing, my plan on sometime in April of this year to have my own hearing at the Capitol I'm working on getting that put together so that we can have a public hearing to, to talk about the capos and talk about the issues and possible solutions.
1: Well, what does that mean? You're going to get a public hearing? Like, wh- how? I don't understand why something can be, uh, you know, stonewalled and not brought to a subcommittee or not brought up in front of a legislature just because somebody doesn't feel like doing that. Like. How do they get away with that, Art? <laughs> Explain the way government works.
0: Well, the leadership, leadership controls the agenda. They decide what bills are go to a committee and what bills are go to the subcommittee and which ones have a hearing. Um, that's definitely the control of the majority party right now. That's the Republicans, and uh, we haven't been able to move uh, significant legislation on um reduction in these nutrients getting into the waters or in the capo establishments for at least 10 years.
1: That is incredible. And what's even more incredible is that your constituencies continue to vote for the same people who are allowing their homes and, you know, land to be, I mean, if nothing else, lose value as property, because ain't nobody going to want to live right next door to a hog farm, Right. Not one with five thousand hogs.
0: That's right. It's very frustrating. They know that there's a problem. They know that it's getting worse, and they won't address it. They won't even allow the discussion uh, in the house where it's um, it's just a power a power thing, and we've got to somehow overcome it.
1: Who's the governor now in Iowa?
0: Uh, Kim Reynolds is the governor.
1: That's right, Kim Reynolds. I knew I, I was conflating her with Christy Noem. I mean, either one of them pretty much interchangeable. Um, how much of a toll on your political career do you anticipate this action to be? Because I have heard some very hair raising stories of literally, uh, you know, citizens who protest the building or siting of a CAFO in their home being um, harassed and intimidated uh, by local law enforcement, by anonymous people who drive by and throw trash in their streams or leave dead animals on their car. I mean, I really, I've heard some hair-raising stories. Now, I take with a grain of salt, fair enough. But nevertheless, I've heard enough of them from enough different people to see that this is, I mean, this is some scary stuff going on. So do you think that you will be penalized uh, in terms of campaign contributions or a smear campaign or anything like that?
0: No, I don't think so. I don't expect that I get a check from the Farm Bureau or the pork producers, (laughs) Um, but most of my uh, donations are from constituents, individuals, anyway. Uh, I don't depend on that kind of thing. Um, So I don't think this takes a toll on me. I haven't been harassed. Um, As a matter of fact, I've gotten a lot of support from uh, lots of environmental groups and others uh, for my courage in doing this for actually continuing to, to fight this battle. Uh, because eventually, uh, we we have to protect our environment. We've got to live here, and we've got to have drinking water that's safe. And at some point, they're going to take this seriously and move in the legislature to uh, to address the environmental issues that are being caused. Absolutely.
1: So. You mentioned that you're getting a lot of support from the citizenry. How about the media? Is the local media uh, expressing support for you? Are you seeing any editorials in support of your legislation or articles that pinpoint, uh, you know, where the system is failing and how it can be rectified by the bill that you've brought up? I mean— what are you seeing in those in that sense? How are people learning about what you're doing, actually?
0: I would say there is a mix of that that is being covered, um, probably more than uh, in the past. This year has been a better year in terms of media, local media, and um, other media, even throughout the U.S. as far as California and other places that have been interested in what's happening here in Iowa and what's happening in their own states, addressing environmental issues. So I've seen more of that in the recent year than all the years past, and that includes the media
1: well, that's very encouraging. Um, and so what what happens next? Like what, what you, you mentioned you were going to try to schedule a public hearing. And then I, of course, interrupted you and, and made you talk about something else. But let, let's get right. back to that.
0: Well, I, don't, um, <laughs> I don't know what more I can do in this session. It's not going to happen that they're going to move this bill and have discussions on it. So I'm looking forward to the next session. It'll be this and other bills and additional co-sponsors. And in the meantime, work with environmental groups um, uh, to join together to support these kinds of things, um, and then, and hopefully we get more individuals elected. There's a lot of people. Well, all the representatives are up for re-election every two years, um, so that's a hundred of us. So I plan on being re-elected, and I'll continue this, um, and the efforts to make sure that our lakes and streams are clean, and our drinking water is safe, and that we get control of these KFO operations.
1: You know, you think about the economics of not having clean drinking water. I mean, I'm I'm wondering, I know I didn't ask you this in the outline, but you know, what what do you see as the as the economic fallout of not managing um, the effluent that's coming off of these farms?
0: Well, first of all, just our recreation with our lakes and streams and our and our fishing and hunting and all of the kinds of things that uh, are occurring in the natural environment are being impacted. And then of course the um, the safety of, of all our communities and the cost to the communities to treat the water I mean Des Moines has great water because they have a they have a very expensive system for moving the nitrates, and uh, they're going to have to upgrade that as well because the nitrate uh, impact is continuing to get even worse
1: well once Bill Stowe was removed uh both physically and corporeally or whatever you know like you know what I mean um I I I, it it sounded to me like they were basically going to dissolve the waterworks and then he died Mm. um very conveniently for them and uh and so but his whole fight was about I can't the city cannot afford to upgrade this Mm. infrastructure you guys have got to pay for it somehow and uh, and it sounded like nothing was going to happen after that. So you're saying, okay, that was 2016 that Bill filed that suit. He died in 2019, I think. And uh, yeah,
0: there's more there's more information to come on that because they're trying to develop a regional water system now, too, not just Des Moines, in order to uh, absorb the cost more regionally. And so there'll be more on that as that as that takes place um, in the news. But I wanted to say too. Right. Even in the rural areas, this has an impact the smell, the air quality, and the other things to be living next to them. If you're in a farmer, um, the distances are too close. Uh, and there are just so many uh, factory farms in these, in some of our rural areas too. So the quality of living has been diminished, even in our rural communities.
1: Oh, I would think so. Uh, I mean, anybody who has passed by a hog farm of any size knows how strong that smell is. I mean, I'm not throwing shade on hog farmers, but I mean, wow, it stinks, and it's full of you know methane and hydrogen sulfide, ammonia. I mean, it is truly a health hazard to be cited to be living in a house that is too near one or more uh, of these concentrated animal feeding operations. No question about that. And there aren't any really any regulations uh, that govern air. Uh, you know the air pollution that comes off of these, not mm-hmm. the way because it's a farm. You know, it's it's it comes in under the farm uh, you know category. So unlike other industrial uh, manufacturers who have to manage what comes out of their smokestack, these KFOS don't have to manage what comes out of their manure
0: lagoons, right? Right in the management plans, manure management plans, they do have to notify. Uh, those in the residences in the area where it's going to be applied to the fields, when it's going to be applied, they have to notify them. That's just, you know, to notify the house, it's going to be really a stink. <laughs> Jesus.
1: Well, Art, I want to, th- I don't do you have anything else you want to say about this? Cause we should probably, uh, call it a day here, but, um, how do we follow on this? I, I mean, I want to, I want to keep on top of this story. I like it. I want to see you succeed.
0: Thank you. Well, I want
1: the state of Iowa, I want the citizens of Iowa to get what they deserve, which is clean water and clean air, like everybody else.
0: Well, it's not going to be a short-term solution. I mean, we'll have a public hearing uh, on this particular bill in April, and we'll get some more ideas about what we can do. Um, I'll be hoping that the environmental groups are continuing to organize and unite uh, on, the, on, on finding solutions to this. And recommending that for all of us, and contacting the legislators, and I'm hoping that there'll be a, a more legislators that want to clean up the environment, and join, and then we'll we'll hit it again with legislation that will be filed again in January of next year. Mm-hmm.
1: Art, why aren't more legislators? I mean, just to go to hit on what you just said there, that you hope more legislators will you know get on board with this. What has kept them from doing so? Already, this is like like we've said numerous times. This is not a new problem.
0: Well, the the, the organizations to support these factory farms uh, have have con- they have influence with the political leaders in the state of Iowa with the Republican Party. Uh, I hate to make this partisan, but um, you have Democrats that support uh, the moratorium. You have not a single Republican who would sign off on this legislation. And um,
1: even though they're even though their citizens are equally affected, like, you know, it's it's a nonpartisan smell, right? (laughs) Even they're
0: affected even more so. um, And the third, they're afraid that this is going to endanger their benefactors in the state of Iowa. There's too much emphasis on these large large agricultural um, businesses and not the people and small farmers in our state. Interesting.
1: Well, uh, on that note, I think we will part. But thank you very, very much for your time today. I'm very grateful to you for joining us, and and I hope you'll you'll come back and and we can visit this again next January. I'm going to put a note in my calendar to follow up with you and see what happens.
0: That'd be great, Katie. All
1: right, thank you so much, Art. I really appreciate your time.
0: Thank you.
3: Hi, I'm Katie Mosman-Wadler, Executive Director of HRN. HRN is dedicated to amplifying small businesses that keep our communities vibrant. Today, I'm asking business owners to take part in our business membership drive by supporting HRN's mission with a $500 membership. HRN will shine a light on your work and you'll help sustain our mission to expand the way eaters think about food. As a thank you for this tax-deductible donation, your business will receive on-air mentions, social media posts, listings on our website, and more. You'll also play an essential role in keeping nonprofit Food Radio on the air. Go to heritageradionetwork.org/biz to become a business member today. That's heritageradionetwork.org/biz. Thank you for your support. What
2: doesn't kill you is powered by Simplecast.